Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Okay, hallelujah. Okay, friends, we want to continue with our study on the world of Armageddon, and this is going to be part number three in this series of study. Uh, we're dealing with things that pertain to that which is referred to as the predictions of the end times. And uh, we've been dealing with Revelation 16, and that is the only place where this word Armageddon is used in the scriptures. Revelation chapter 16, if you read from verse number 12 to 16, and he says, And the six angels I mean, poured out his veils upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that the weight of the kings of the east might be prepared. Amen. And then verse 13 says, And I saw three, three unclean spirits like frogs, Come out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. And verse 14 says, For they are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth into the kings of the earth and for and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. And behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garment, lest he walk naked and see shame. And verse 16 says, And he gathered them together into a place called on the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. Alright. So that's what we're dealing with. Uh, the very passage wherein so many people have commonly used to illustrate what's going to be coming upon the face of the earth as well in the Middle East. Uh, world of Nations and sometimes they, they have all kind of titles and names that have been given to that. You know, when they start predicting the word of Armageddon. Alright, so, this is what we are dealing with. Now, we've been able to see that the word Armageddon is something as the great day of the Lord. The battle of the great day of the Lord. But now, we want to look at a particular scripture, or passage of scripture, that also relates to this particular prophecy about the end time, if you may use the word. Uh, which people also quote severally. And that is from the book of the book of Second Peter, chapter three. You know, when they begin to describe what's going to happen at the end of time. Praise the Lord. So we'll go to the book of Second Peter, and then we we'll look at uh, chapter number three. And we're going to be reading from Second Peter, chapter three, from verse number three. And he said, Knowing this first that there shall come in the last days coffers walking after their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For these are willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water. Verse 6 says, Whereby the world are now is now you saw that verse four and five is talking about the particular war. Now whereby the world are now I mean that there was uh, being overflowed with water perish, which speaks of the wall of Noah. We're going to explain that. 
than both the heavens and the earth which are now by the same world that kept in store reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved be not ignorant of this one thing that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not like concerning his promise as some men can slackness, but is long suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Praise the Lord. Amen. And then when you look into the next uh, verse, it's about the day of the Lord will come as a thief. Same thing you find in the book of Revelation, chapter 16, verse 15. The day will come like a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements also, and the works that are jarring shall be burnt up. Seeing that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of person ought he to be? In all holy conversation and godliness, looking forward and hastening unto the coming of the day of, of our God. Remember that now, the great day of our God again, wherein the heaven shall be on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we according to his promise, look for a new heaven and a new earth. We are into a land righteousness. Praise the living God. Did you get that now? Okay. So here as you look at the whole passage, you find that it's talking about three walls and three heavens. Is that okay? Praise the living God. We have three walls and three heavens, which it is like a division into ages or walls. Right? It talks about the wall of Noah, with the flood and Noah destroyed, and then it talks about the wall that now is, and then it talks about the wall that is to come. So, three divisions, as it were. In terms of the plans and the programs of God on the face of the earth. So here we have three worlds. The world that then was, the world that now is, and the world that is to come. Now first thing to understand is the world war does not generally refer to this physical planet with its mountains, oceans, rivers, trees, whatever. That is not what it means when you read the word wall in the scriptures. The Greek word for world is the word cosmos, which means an order, system, or arrangement of things. Is that okay? Don't miss that. The word world is used here is cosmos. It means an order, system, or arrangement of things. Now, the present order, system, or arrangement of things upon this earth involves all the institutions, organizations, laws, traditions, Customs, philosophies, etc., the man without God have developed to either control or give motivation to the lives and actions of men and in the nations. Is that okay? All of the systems that man have put in place, organizations, structures, traditions, customs that man have developed to either control or give motivation to the lives and actions of men. And in nations is what referred to as the cosmos or the world. Now these include this system includes things like governmental system, educational institutions, religious organizations, and economic orders, traditions, customs, and every other thing that gives form and substance to our present social order is what they call world. So all these things put together at a given period of time with which man functions 
in his life is what the Bible calls world. Is that okay? Praise the Lord. That's what the Bible referred to as world. Amen. Now, this is not talking about the globe, like the planet. No, that's not what it's talking about. But all that constitute man's mode of life and living outside of God's rule and life is what is referred to as the world. So in Second Peter 3 now, we have three worlds. So let's go with the first world, and that is taken from Second Peter 3, 5 to 6. For these they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water perished. This is talking about the world of Noah, or the days of Noah. Now the New English Bible says this. In taking this view, they lose sight of the fact that there were heavens and earth long ago, created by God's world, out of water and with water. And by water, the first wall was destroyed. The water of the deluge and the present heavens and earth, again by God's world, have been kept in store for burning. So he's saying, the wall of Noah were destroyed by water and the present wall, which is the second wall now, is reserved for burning. So now we can see then that from the time of the creation until the flood is the first wall. Amen? The time of the creation down to the flood of Noah is the first wall. Meaning the period of time from Adam to the great deluge is called a wall. The wall that there was. Amen? Praise the Lord. Now, this actually speaks of the attitude of life that characterized the first wall as well. So, I mean, in every age or world, there is a particular lifestyle that describes nature of the people that lived at that time. So, let's quickly look at the characteristics of the people, which is the attitude of life that characterized the first world. Let's look at how they describe for us in the scriptures. Um, Genesis chapter 6, from verse 1 to 2, and then 5 to 7, and 11 to 13. The book of Genesis chapter 6, 1 to 2, and then you go to 5 to 6, and 11 to 13. And this is what it says. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughter of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all the Jews. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And he repented the Lord that he had made man upon the earth. And he grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth. And the earth was corrupt before God. And the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh has corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Praise the living God. Did you get that? Alright. So, Peter said, 
whereby the world that they was being overflowed with water perished. Second Peter three verse number six. Is that okay? So based on this characteristics of the people, the attitude of these people, the lifestyle of the people that were living at this particular time, God said you need to clean out the earth. So Peter now is now confessing or speaking right here prophetically that all of this thing took place and so the earth or then the world, that particular world. Now remember, we're dealing with the people that lived at a particular age. Is that okay? So Peter said, whereby the world that there was being overflowed with water perished. Second Peter 3 verse number 6. So, it was destroyed and was perished by what? By the water. Amen. Now the question that follows is this. Does the fact that the world was destroyed by water shows that we are no longer living in that same earth that the flood destroyed in the days of Noah? Did God created another earth for us after the world that Noah lived in was destroyed? I just want you to think a bit. And for the rapture of the living saints, was Noah taken out of this earth at the time of the flood? Or wasn't the same water that destroyed the earth that actually saved Noah? Because Noah was rising in the midst of the flood. Do we not say Christ is our ark of safety? So if Noah was preserved in the flood, why is Christ taking us away? Yet he said his coming shall be like the days of Noah. I want you to think about that. Follow what I'm saying here. The fact that the world was destroyed by water shows that. I mean, does it indicate that we're no longer living in that same particular earth that Noah lived in, with which the water destroyed? Was another earth created for us now to live because the first one was destroyed? And to think that, okay, in the time of troubles, or whatever the case may be, like people always preach and teach about the Antichrist, and the tribulation and all of that, then the saints will be evacuated from the earth. I'm asking the question, was Noah taken out of the world? Or the same water that destroyed the earth as of that time, was it not the same water that saved Noah? It was in the ark, isn't it? And then we call Jesus our ark of safety, do we? So if Noah was preserved on the flood, why is Christ taking us out? Of this war because of any form of persecution or tribulation, as the case may be. But see, Jesus said his coming shall be like the days of Noah. So let's look at again Matthew 24, verse 37. That's what Jesus said. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Follow this. For as in the days of Noah, that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Glory to God. Hear what the Lord said here. His day is going to be exactly like it was in the days of Noah. Now, listen. The flood took them away. What does that mean? It means the flood killed the unbelievers. Amen. The flood killed the unbelievers. 
If you think took them away means they were raptured, it means it was the unbelievers that were raptured. He said they were eating and drinking, and they knew not, and the flood came and took them away. That means the flood destroyed them. Praise the Lord. If you think the wicked will be left behind, the saints will be taken away by that which you call the rapture, you are invariably saying here that the wicked were taken away or raptured and Noah was left behind to die. But that is not what the scripture says. So, you see how we have decided to change the language of Jesus to suit our petty theology? Praise the Lord. Are you following it? Seeing therefore, when the earth was destroyed, it doesn't mean Noah was raptured off to some other planet or heaven. Until God created a new earth for him. Then he brought him back. Nothing like that happened. Is that okay? It was the same earth that Noah inherited after the flood. So the word cosmos world is a way of life that was destroyed by the flood. Was the order, the system, and the arrangement of things. The world that was destroyed in the days of Noah were the lifestyle of the people that which they have developed to live by outside of God and His Spirit. It was the people and not the physical earth consisting of mountains, rocks, rivers, trees, etc. for all the air that the scripture talks about. Is that okay? It's not talking about the physical earth when he said the world was destroyed. It was the people that were in the world with a lifestyle that was destroyed. As a matter of fact, it was like a cleansing process. God wanted to clean out the nature of man like we find in Genesis, as we read before, chapter 6. How that man had his continual evil, so he needed to clean out the earth. Now the scripture speaks about that which is like the mountains and the trees, wherever you find all of those things. In Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse number 4, it, it said, One generation passed away, and another generation cometh, but the earth abided forever. So that which was destroyed was not the physical earth, but man and his wickedness. Again, the scripture says in Isaiah 45 verse number 18, for thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it. He had established it, he created it not in vain. He formed it to be what? Inhabited. Isaiah 45 verse 18. So the first wall of Noah's days that perished were the people and their cultures to social beliefs and practices, not the physical edge. Praise the living God. Can you get that? It wasn't talking about the physical earth. That's not what was destroyed in the days of Noah. It was the people. It was the lifestyle. It was the attitude of the people that were destroyed. And the Bible refers to that system or that time, that epoch, that period of time as what? The first war. The war that then was. Praise the Lord. Did you get that? Alright. So, we're going into... The second aspect, like we read in the book of Second Peter, chapter three, verse seven, uh, it's about the heavens and the earth, which are now. Second Peter three, verse number seven. 
The heaven and the creature now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Seeing then that all these things shall come, namely shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Second Peter 3, 3 to 8, and then 11 to 13. Is that okay? Right. So, the key point we want to look at now is, already we find that in the days of Noah, don't forget, we're dealing with three worlds and three heavens. So like it was the days of Noah, that was the first world. Now here in verse number 7 of Second Peter 3, he's talking about the heavens and the earth which are now. So here we have another world, which is the second world. Is that okay? Now there is something I also want to take a look at, which you find in the book of Second Peter 3 and verse number 3. It calls them the scoffers. Knowing the first that there shall come in the last days coffers walking after their own lust, and say, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Now I need to quickly state this and to make it clear to our mind as it relates to the above statement of Peter as touching the scoffers. Making us to think that perhaps Peter was truly addressing our generation at a particular time. The point is we can only apply this statement to our days as to an example of that which happened to the people he was addressing. Why did I say this? In 1 Peter 1 verse 1, the Bible made us to understand. He wrote, look at 1 Peter 1 and verse number 1. What did he say? I the Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Batiana. Did you get that? He was addressing this later to a particular set of people. They were believers, but were scattered all over the place. And that's the point I want you to, first of all, get into your mind as we consider this. Now, James also wrote his book, for instance, he wrote to the saints, James chapter 1 verse number 1. He said, James, the servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which were scattered abroad, greeting. Did you get that? They were addressing believers. I want you to understand this. Now, Peter wrote this later in A.D. 62 to 64. This is very, very important. He wrote this later between A.D. 62 to A.D. 64. Now, Jerusalem fell in A.D. 70. Is that okay? So, that is some six to about eight years before the fall of Jerusalem. So, in, in, in between this period of reflecting back to the prophecies of the fall of Jerusalem by Jesus in mighty 24, it hasn't happened. And that also led to the statement of the scoffers when they begin to say, where is the promise of his coming? 
For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. And I want you to pick there because very, very, very important. Now, listen. Peter wrote this book in AD 62 to 64, between this period. And the book of Mighty was written in AD 61. Right? And Jerusalem fell in AD 70. James in particular wrote in AD 49 to 50. That's some 20 years before the fall of Jerusalem. Then Peter wrote, because the book of James is older than the book of Peter. Peter wrote around 6 to 8 years before the fall of Jerusalem. Are you getting this? So this is what led to that statement. So the people at that time, they were kind of mocking. Where is the promise of the coming? Because that coming have to do with the judgment of Jerusalem in AD 70. So where is that promise? Things have continued the way they were even right from the days of our fathers. Hallelujah. So to them, like what Peter was writing here, the least expected that within 80, 80 years time, all that the prophecy, I mean, was prophesied about the fall of Jerusalem was going to come to pass. So I want you to get that. So, but for us today, it's not so much about his coming, even that is inclusive. But the problem we have today is the manner of his coming. That is our issue. To them, it was the time frame of his coming. To us, it is how is it coming? These are the things I want you to note. Because the trouble today within the world and within the body of Christ is majority not think it has to be through the rapture. He's coming and they're through the rapture and it takes us away. That is something himself never promised anybody. There is no scripture to back that up in scripture. Even if you talk about things like cut up. Cut up doesn't mean you, 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 you get it out of the earth. Second Corinthians chapter 12, Paul was cut up to the third heaven. He was still physically on the earth. Is that okay? It's simply an experience. It has nothing to do with you being lifted out of the ground. Jesus used the same thing when, I mean, the same word is used when Jesus said, All that the Father has given unto me, no man is able to pluck them out of my hand. That's the same word, hapazo. Cut up means hapazo in the Greek. And Peter said, Nobody, I mean, Jesus said, Nobody is able to pluck them to hapazo out of my hand. So it doesn't mean you've been lifted out of the, the, the planet into another space. There is no doctrine, no, no scripture to back up that doctrine. You remember, I made mention of that in the early time of this study. It started in 1813 in England. Is that okay? You can go back to the previous studies and then listen to that again. Now, so this is the way people normally or similarly believe it is going to come. Now, only a few people understand this coming with and in the sense as the manifestation of the sons of God, thereby revealing the Feast of Tabernacles as it comes to be glorified in the saints and to bring down mystery Babylon the Great. You see, if you take time to read the book of, let's look at Second Thessalonians and uh, I'll show you something. Second Thessalonians, and uh, let's quickly look at chapter 1, and verse number 8. 
Okay, let's take it from verse number verse number seven. And he says, Unto you who are troubled, rest with us, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Best ten is the key now. When he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired all them that believe because our testimony among you was believing that day. Did you see that? Alright. So it's coming to be glorified in the saints. Okay. Now I show you something again in the book of Jude, Jude chapter fourteen. I mean Jude is just one chapter. So let's look at verse fourteen. If we take time to read from verse 14 to perhaps uh, 14 to, to, to 19. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of this, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment upon all, to convince all that are ungodly among them all of the ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed. And of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him, these are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lust, and their mouth speaking great swelling words, have immense passing admiration because of advantage. But beloved, remember here the words of the Lord, were spoken before of the apostle our Lord Jesus Christ. How that they told you, there shall be more cars in the last time, who shall walk after their own loss, own ungodly loss. These, by these be they who separate themselves, sensuous, having not the spirit. Amen? Alright. So I, I want you to also pick this because very, very important what we're considering here. Praise the Lord. You see, I want you to see that how important this is. I'm talking about his coming. It's not just, and you, you begin to see the pattern of his coming, the mode of his coming, like we see from that particular passage. Is that okay? In the book of Jude, right? So Second Thessalonians, he comes to be glorified in the saints. Alright? Now, this is what culminates into that which is called the manifestation of the sons of God. That which you read in the book of Romans. Chapter number 8. So let's quickly turn to Romans chapter 8. And this is what you see in the book of Romans chapter 8. From a read from verse 18. And it says, For I reckon that the sufferings of the present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creation was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Because the creation itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole world of the whole creation groaneth and travelleth in pain until now. 23. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruit of the Spirit. Even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for what? The adoption to with the redemption of our body. Praise the living God. So this is the point. This is where we are. We are waiting for this manifestation of the sons of God. 
upon the face of the earth. Hallelujah. While people are talking about being taken away by the rapture, a few elect of God will seem beyond the veil, if I may use the word. They know that God is talking about coming to manifest His glory in the life of His people. And these are the sons that shall become judges on the face of the earth. Because you see, God just sinned in Jesus. Jesus judged the prince of the world. And the same shall judge the world. You'll find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 from verse 1 to 4. Amen. So now, we're talking about the world that now is, which is the second world. So let's move on just a little bit. Hallelujah. The world that now is. So again, we look at the book of Peter. Second Peter now, chapter 3, uh, verse 7, and then we look at 10 to 12. And this is what it says again. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same world, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Don't forget this. In the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fire and heat, the earth also, and the works that are during shall be burnt up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of person ought ye to be? Looking for, understand, looking for, and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens shall be on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fire and heat. Praise the Lord. So here again we'll find that Peter identifies second world apart from the first one, which terminated with a flood, and it caused this the heavens and the earth which are now or which now is. Amen. So again, what constitutes this world called the second world? The very world which now is which we are living in. What constitutes this world? Remember? In, in, in Genesis 6, the character of the people of that time was fully explained in Scripture. And that is what led to the destruction of that particular world. So now we have another world, which is the second world, which is the world that we are living in. Right? Okay, so the question now is, what is the characteristics of these people presently? What, what is the motivating thing behind them? What system have they put in place? What is working in their lives? First thing to note is that this world began at the end of the flood and continues until the day of the Lord, which is a Magadan at which time it will pass away. Is that okay? I want you to get this right. The world, the first world began from Adam to Noah. The second world began from Noah to the present day. And is going to end in the day of Armageddon, in the battle of the great day of the Lord. Amen? Are you following the sequence? Alright. Now, let us consider some major characteristics of this present world scripturally. In the words of Paul to the Galatian church, in Galatians 1 verse 4 we are told, Who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from the present evil world? Hallelujah. Galatians 1 verse 4. Who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world? He called this world, this present evil world. 
But a true Christ sacrificial death who gave himself for, for us, we are going to be delivered from it. Now, I want you to begin to see this. On the days of Noah, he was delivered from that age or wall. And guess what? Through the flood, the water lifted up the ark. Amen? Alright. Now, let us begin to be, let us be mindful of this fact that Paul firstly was addressing again the Jewish converts in Galatia. Galatia. And letting them know that the sacrifice of Christ ought to be delivering them from Judaism and all its rituals. He wrote this also in AD 56 and 57, I mean 57 58. Amen. Between 80, 50, and 50 is about 12 years before the fall of Jerusalem. So, that is why in Galatians 3 he told them, Who has bewitched you, O ye fully Galatians? He was actually speaking of the believers there, who have now been bewitched into accepting and walking by way of Judaism. Praise the Lord. Did you get that? So, the first people you need to see here, just like when we. Normally look at, look at the Bible You have to see that which is earthly And that which is heavenly First earthly Adam Heavenly Adam Is that okay? Right So here we find that The first statement was actually addressing In a way The Jewish people With their rituals So now We understand clearly I've been delivered from the present evil world Doesn't mean to be raptured off to heaven yonder Far from it He's not talking about that Noah was delivered from his world He never moved an inch from the earth Is that okay? Right So just as Noah was saved from the first world That he lived in And know that he was raptured up to some heaven up There with streets of gold Even so we shall and have been saved From the present evil world Is it making sense to you? Noah was saved. Was he saved? He was saved. In his days. Through the flood and by the flood if you will. Praise the Lord. Now, Peter writing about how Noah was saved. Said this. So, let's, let's quickly take a look at the book of Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18 to 20. That's what it says. 1 Peter 3, 18 to 20. For Christ... Had also once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. But which also he went, and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometimes were disobedient, when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing. Wherein few, that is, if souls were saved by water. Praise the Lord. Did you get that? How was Noah saved? By water. In the midst of that crooked situation, Noah was saved by water. The very same water that destroyed the world. This is the mystery of what we are talking about. It's not about going to outer space. But you have been delivered or rescued from the evil around us in the world we are living in. 
Now, look at the testimony of Noah in Genesis 6 verse number 9. It said, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generation. And Noah walked with God. Praise the Lord. What does that show? It shows that he was not just saved from that world at the time of the flood. No, no, no. He was already saved sometime way back before the flood ever arrived. Hallelujah. He was already been saved. How was he saved before the flood came in? He was saved by the way he lived. He walked with God. Scriptures say he was a righteous man. He was saved long before the flood came. So, the very same way the scripture described Jesus while he was here on the earth. In Hebrew chapter 7 verse 26 he says, For such an high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. This is exactly how Noah walked. He wasn't involved in all of the things around him. Even though the, 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 the system was corrupt, he wasn't corrupt. Amen? Meaning, the Noah was in this world, in this world then, he was not part of his world that was filthy all around him. It simply means the beginning of your being saved from this present evil world is your lifestyle. Hallelujah. Did you get that? Are you following me? The beginning of your being saved. Remember what he said in Galatians 1 before. That through his sacrifice come to save us from the present evil world. Now the be- that, that's not to say to rapture you from the present evil world. No, not at all. The beginning of your being saved from the present evil world is your lifestyle. It can be said that Noah walked with God. While the rest of man can wallow in the feet of their dull days. Even so, in this our day, God has sent for his son to save us from this present evil world. So then, our escape route, just like Noah, is what you find in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 3, I mean chapter 1, and verse number 3 to 4. The book of 1 Peter, I would like you to see that. First Peter chapter 1, sorry, Second Peter chapter 1, let me take it from verse 3 to 4, otherwise we can read from verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that had obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and Jesus of our Lord, I mean of Jesus of our Lord. The knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. You can only receive that. Listen to what he said. Grace and peace can only be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Verse 3. According as the divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him. That had called us to glory and virtue. Verse 4 says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. 
praise the living God. Can you see that? Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So that's the first thing. Through the power of glory of God and the divine wisdom and, and the knowledge of God given unto us, we can escape from the corruption that is in the world through lust. Before ever we can begin to talk about the great day of the Lord coming in form of judgment, when it comes from our judgment, you are not supposed to be part of it. Because you see, the Bible made us understand that a judgment of this present evil world is meant for the ungodly. Now you look at it again. Second Peter 3 verse number 7. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same world, are kept in store, reserved unto fire, against the day of judgment, and perdition of ungodly men. Not everybody. Hallelujah. The judgment that is coming is not for everybody. It's for the perdition of ungodly men. Just like the judgment came in the days of Noah. Noah walked with God and the judgment could not affect him. He was saved. Even so, by the life of Christ, you cannot be judged. You are saved in Christ. You can only be chastised. I mean, the chastisement of God is for those whom he loves. The son whom he loved is chastened. His chastisement and the fruit of righteousness at the end of the day. But a judgment that is coming, like we discussing of that great day and a terrible great day of the Lord, is for the perdition of ungodly men. Second Peter 3 verse 7. So, this is exactly how it was in the days of Noah. The ungodly men perished while righteous Noah inherited a clean heart. There is nothing that justifies our claims of evacuation from the earth in scriptures. And unfortunately too, religion that is full of zeal without knowledge has taught mankind that the ultimate goal of salvation is to escape hell and to go to heaven. So, we are saved from one place, which is hell, and taken to another place, which is heaven. Do you believe in heaven? Of course, why not? But all that we have ever taught people is all territorial and geographical considerations. But how about the fact that now you are saved from the present evil world, from the corruption of this present evil world, just like Noah was in his days? How about that? Now, but if what the scriptures are teaching us is true, when Noah was saved, where was he taken to? If Noah was saved to hurry the earth, we can't be saved to be evacuated, for Jesus said his coming shall be as the days of Noah. In fact, the world says the heaven is coming down to earth. Can we take a look at that? The book of Revelation chapter 21. I'm going to read a long reading here for you. Let's take it from verse number 1. I'm going to read up to verse 11. And now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. When he said no more sea, he's talking about the, 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 the multitude of people who lack the Spirit of God. That's what it means by sea. 
those forming up their own shame according to what Jude will say. I mean, yeah, the book of Jude will begin to describe to us that they are forming up their own shame. These are people who do not have the Spirit of God, the leading of God. They are not in concert with what God is doing. The multitude of mankind that have not been saved in Christ is what I refer to as sea. Amen. Verse 2, I, John, saw the holy city, new heavenly Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, a door for her husband, was a bride. That is the church. The husband, Jesus. And I had a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and they will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Amen. And this is what you find what God told Moses to make him a tabernacle so that he can dwell among the children of Israel in the wilderness. Moses was a servant in the house of God in the wilderness. Jesus is a servant of the house of God right now in this season that we are. Going to the book of First Timothy chapter three, verse number fifteen. Amen. Right. Then so God wants to tabernacle with us. He's not taking us anywhere. He's coming to us. That's what the scripture is teaching here. Then it goes down to say verse four. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pains, for the former things are passed away. And he said, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And then he said, Verse 6, And he said unto me, It is done. I'm Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto thee that is a taste of the fountain of the water of life freely. Amen? Verse 7, he that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be, to, I will be his God, and he shall be my son. They said, but the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and warmongers and sorcerers and idolaters and liars shall have their part in the lake with bonnet, with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. The verse 9, and there come unto me one of the seven angels, which have the seven vials full of the seven plague, last plague, and talk with me, saying, Come hither, and I will show thee the bride, Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the mountain to great high mountain and show me that great city, the heavenly Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, and her light was like unto stone most precious, even like a jasper, clay, and crystal. Praise the living God. Can you get that? This is what the Bible is telling us. It's talking about a people that are not going to be fully purified, a set of people that God can walk with and live in, I mean, we're becoming the temple, the dwelling place of the Most High God. That's what the Bible teaches. It's not talking about taking you anywhere. Rather, He is coming down to you. Praise the living God. God is coming down to us. That is what He has in mind. That is what He has proposed to do. And so, the, the, when we're talking about the second world, the world that now is, we're talking about the people. You listen closely. We're talking about the people who, at this moment, are not walking in the way of God. Just like before the flood, men were walking in their own ways and not in the ways of God. Are you following that? So now, God intends again, just like He did the first time, to get a cleansing upon the face of the earth. But not to take you out of the earth. That is not the ultimate reason for His coming. He's coming to judge 
the ungodly. Second Peter 3 again. Look at verse 7. That the judgment is calling forward the perdition of ungodly men. Just like the ungodly men perish in the days of Noah. So also shall ungodly men perish in this present day. When we get into the season of the war of Armageddon. This is what God is teaching us. Praise the living God. So I intend us to begin to follow what God is saying. God's ultimate goal is not evacuating his people. But to come and become I mean, to reside with them. He wants his people to become his tabernacle. The tabernacle of God is with man. What he's saying, men are becoming his tabernacle. That's what he's talking about. He wants to come and reside in the midst of his people. And don't forget what we said. The Bible is talking about God coming to be glorified in the saint. And he's coming with the saint to judge the world. But there is no scripture that said he's coming for the saint. You can't see it anywhere. That is human Theology that is human religious doctrine. He have nothing to do with God's doctrine. He is coming to tabernacle with his people. And I just want to encourage you to see the light in which God intends to walk through. Don't forget what we're dealing with. We're dealing with the war of Armageddon. But especially right now, we're dealing with the three worlds and three heavens. So we've been able to see the first world and we have able to see it, which has to do with the world of Noah. Remember that? The days of Noah. And now we are in this world, which is the world that now is. And this world also is going to terminate at the time of the great war of God, which is Armageddon, and the new age takes off. So you see that from Adam to Noah. For the first world. From Noah to this present time is the second world. Now, when this world terminates, a third world comes in, and that is the great kingdom of God that will overtook all kingdoms of this world. Praise the living God. I believe you've received something. God bless you. Amen. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.